Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And I said this morning on this morning show when I was talking about... uh, uh, the original public schools and who built them, and uh, they weren't built by tax dollars. They were built by voluntary help from the individual wards, which compose the individual counties, which are part of the states of the different states like Virginia. And Thomas Jefferson referred to those wards as republics. He referred to the counties as republics. And he referred to the state as republics. And that was when the states were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada. So if you didn't hear those first programs, you have to go back because we're not going to go through all that again. But what I have here is uh, one of the heads of the government of Lake County, the Republic of Lake County. (laughs) So anyway, he's here and he's going to tell us a little bit about some of the things he's been on the phone with the... Uh, president conferences for all the different states and stuff like that and and he wanted to deliver a message it may take about 10-15 minutes and we're going to have hear what he says and then we'll finish out the program with some of the things we talked about this morning so anyway I want to welcome this uh, individual James Williams I've known him all his life literally because <laughs> he's also my son but he's also the county commissioner in the Republic of Lake County. So anyway, take it away, James. Yeah, I don't. Thank you. I'm not sure how long this will take. I don't think it'll take uh, 15 minutes. I'm not. I don't really have anything prepared as far as a speech. There's one of the things I think uh, specifically for Oregon. I'm focused on my state and my county. And here in eastern Oregon, that's east of the Cascades, that's including Deschutes County and the Bend area, we have 17 counties in eastern Oregon with a total population of about 559,235 people. We have 130 cases of COVID-19. That's total throughout the entire half of the state. Zero deaths. Zero people have died in eastern Oregon from COVID-19. Deschutes has the highest concentration of those infected with about 55. And there have, they have, there, and I think there's about uh, five eastern Oregon counties with zero. The total population infected as of today in eastern Oregon is about 00.0002%. How many of our workforce is being affected by this. And that's the question that we're all trying to ask. Because if only point zero 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 two percent have been affected have been infected with the virus, what's the actual effect on our economy, on our communities, on our other counties, the counties that have not seen a single infection of COVID nineteen, what's the actual effect on the state of our state? So in a roundabout way, I think it's close to about 100%. If one business fails in our rural communities, it has a trickle-down effect that in some way affect us all. Lake County Chamber of Commerce, here not just here in Lake County, we have about 300 businesses registered with our Chamber of Commerce. 294 have reported at, uh, being affected in a negative way by COVID-19 shutdown. These numbers don't include any salons, 
or farms, ranches. These, this is just some of the other businesses that have been affected. It doesn't include gymnasiums or anything like that or gyms. There are only, there are only businesses registered with the Lake County Chamber of Commerce. We don't have the future data of alcohol and substance abuse for what, uh, but we are seeing a huge, giant, sharp rise in domestic abuse and child abuse. I, I personally have requested additional information from our 911 dispatch to try and figure out what the increase of calls are, but when you're talking about child abuse and domestic violence, a lot of those go through our crisis center. They don't go through our 911 dispatch because not everyone calls the police. If someone's being abused, they typically go through like a crisis center. So with only 0.0002% of the population with COVID-19 and 98% of our businesses being affected in an adverse way, if we don't have a recovery plan, we are doomed, and I mean that seriously, to a total financial collapse, which will be worse than the Great Depression because people don't know how to take care of themselves anymore, like our ancestors did. And so... This is, these are the real numbers. And these actually were originally compiled by my fellow commissioner, Mark Albertson, who, and I want to give kudos to him because he went through, did the math. And, uh, these are numbers that are coming from OHA. And, uh, that's Oregon Health Authority. And, and this is a, a theme that we're seeing throughout not just our state, but throughout the entire nation where these numbers are very, very similar in different regions, where we're just not seeing the numbers that everyone else is saying are out there in the media. And there, there's a trick that the media play when they report numbers. And I want people to think about this, really. And, and if it doesn't click with you when I first say it, you know, play it back. Listen to it again. It's very carefully. So when they report numbers, and they report four cases today, and the next day they report five cases, and the next day they report six cases, that's really not the way that you graph the actual spread of the virus, because you're not taking into account the people that have recovered. You're just counting up. So you're you're going to see a giant spike, and you're going to see that number continually increase, 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 because you're constantly adding. You're not taking into account those who recover. You're not taking into account whether or not you're seeing less cases on a daily basis or on a weekly basis or on a month basis, because if it was a day-to-day figure, you would see the number go up and down, up and down, up and down, based on, say, one day you had six, the next day you had only two. So that would say that you're going down. And then, and then one day you have eight, and then you have two, and then you have three, and then you have one. And now, okay, now that's dropping off a little bit. So what's the differences there? The, the trick is that they're playing with a lot of the graphs and the percentages. And the other side of this is the testing. Because we're only testing for people who have the virus currently. We're not testing enough for the antibodies and antigens. And now we've just started this, and here in Lake County and, and now in our neighbor county, counties, Klamath and Harney, we're wanting to ramp up testing, and not just the PCR test. It tests only for when you have the virus. And by the way, that PCR test has a 30% chance of present, presenting a false negative. That's, uh, that's actually quite severe and so, uh, in terms of collecting real data and I've, I kind of, uh, 
got frustrated um, in the last few weeks in, ter- in just seeing some of the rules and regulations that were coming down from the CDC saying things that basically they were going to accept on death certificates the cause of death is COVID-19 on people who have never been tested for COVID-19. But if the doctors or anyone thought it was likely that the person had COVID-19, if they had, if they had been sick or coughing or anything, it was, it was reasonable to put down as cause of death is COVID-19. So there's, there's a lot of play in the joints on a lot of these, these, uh, um, statistics and the data that's coming out of OHA and the CDC. We don't actually have enough information right now to present logical informa- a logical plan to our governor as to how we want to exit this situation that we find ourselves in today. And so this is, this is where I think the politics are being played uh, a great deal because the, gov- the uh, president has come out and said on our conference calls that he wants to have everything starting to open up at least by May 1st. He wants to have our states open back up. He's willing, however, to work with any state that doesn't feel like they're yet ready, like, say, New York or Los Angeles and California. They they may not feel quite ready to open up yet, but that is going to be up to the governors in the individual states. The problem is with this, however, is that you can't continue an ongoing emergency without reason. It's actually illegal. And the president put this emergency into place and he can say this emergency is no longer necessary but he's willing to work with the states on a daily basis and what they need and make sure that they're supported but if the governors refuse to open back up their states then they have to present evidence as to why they are going to continue with an emergency and the governor in our state however has decided that she's going to put that responsibility of collecting the data and the science off on the individual counties and she does this by saying that she wants the counties to present fact for why we would like to open back up and if we aren't able to present that she will turn around to the president and say sorry i can't uh, do this because the counties haven't presented any evidence as of yet i don't have enough information i don't have the data and the president's already been urging us, however, to look ahead and make sure that we know that that's coming and that we're going to have to make sure that we're on the ball and collecting the data. The reason that we're not al- that states are not allowed to do this, and some people say, well, the governors have authority because the states have rights. No, actually, here's the deal, though. States do not have citizens. There are no citizens of the state of Oregon or Oklahoma or New York. Everyone that is an American citizen in the United States of America, is under the protection of the federal government. The states do not have citizenry, they have residents. And the residents, therefore, of these states, if they are living in a state that is declaring an emergency and being adversely affected by that emergency declared by the government, then the federal government has a responsibility to make sure that those citizens are protected and that they are being looked after. So that's the little switcheroo that's being played right now in politics. And the other side of it, of course, is the fact that our legislature is not in session and the governor is making huge decisions without our legislators and elected officials present. And instead, we have about a dozen to several dozen committees that are formed by employees in government. They are informed by medical professionals, so to speak, But none of our elected officials are in on these meetings. 
if we're going to make a decision as to what we're going to do and how we're going to spend dollars that are coming in from the federal government and we're going to decide where our state's going to go, I think personally that the people that the people elected need to be involved in this process. And that being our senators and representatives. And we need to open a session. And I don't care if we have to open, have eight different sessions in order to figure out this problem. We need to move forward. And I think that the people's elected officials and the voice of the people needs to be heard. And so that's kind of what games are being played right now in politics. Most, most of the people who have regular jobs and have to go to work in order to get that paycheck, they don't just automatically get a paycheck. They want the state opened. Correct. In and fact, I will, I've heard from a number of people in, that are my constituents here in Lake County, some of the elderly and everyone else, the, the at-risk population, the kind of the, the line that I keep hearing repeated is, give me liberty or let me die. And that's a really rough thing to say, but it's the attitude that really truly is American. Because those who sacrifice their liberty for a little bit of security and safety deserve neither. I think our elderly population and those who've gone before us understand that, they recognize it, and they see the danger in continuing on the present course. So the the line that I keep hearing is, I don't want the government's free money. I don't want their little loans. I want to get back to work. And that's where we need to be focused because that's our sole job as commissioners and local government officials is to see to it that our public and our economy can get back up and running. Yeah, I see Eastern Oregon is having to uh, having that spirit a little bit stronger than Western Oregon, but I think if Eastern Oregon steps out and takes those steps, many people on Western Oregon will also follow suit. They Absolutely. need that leadership where they say, we're going to open up and we're going to give you reasons why we have to open up. And if you try to buck them, then we will use that two-edged sword of the fact that we're no longer state citizens but federal citizens in our favor. The reality is I think ultimately people just have to learn to work together. We're seeing signs of that during this enforced shutdown that people are coming up with a imaginative. I saw something on the Dave Rubin report where he was interviewing uh, the economic freedom group. I can't even remember who, mm-hmm. what the name of the guy was, but uh, he was saying he was seeing how people were being so in- innovative to get around these arbitrary restrictions placed on them. I know you're going to have to go pretty soon, but one of the things I wanted to bring up that a lot of people don't understand that there, while there isn't a financial incentive to the individual to keep things shut down, there is a bizarre financial incentive for the governor, whether legitimate or not, the people in power, to keep this emergency clause in place Mm -hmm. because they have tremendous amount of power they also are unscrutinizingly moving these millions of dollars in aid around to where they want without without a legislature in process without a session in process where elected officials have a hand in that these this is it's almost like a shadow government going they're dark closed door meetings where they're deciding the fate of our state without the elected officials involved in the process and, and you're right. You're spot on. There's a tremendous amount of power that stands to be gained by allowing this emergency to continue. And that's another game that, of course, will be played because out of the 50 states in the Union, and including the additional territories and outlying areas, 
there are three states that have done something rather bizarre where they've chosen to enter a pact between each other, and that is Washington, Oregon, and California, where neither of them will open their states back up without the other's approval, which is very mind-boggling. I think there could be a case maybe for Washington and Oregon in the Portland area, being that you have the Columbia River and that, the bridges that go over into Vancouver and other areas. You could say there's a reason for them opening up together and making sure that they're working together to do that and reach that goal. But with California, it's a different story. And I think that uh, what happens in Southern California needs to be dealt with by the governor of California. And it shouldn't impact the decisions that our governor makes here in Oregon for the on the livelihood of the Oregon people, which is she's elected to lead. Yeah, it's time for the fourth branch of government, the people, to stand up, support their government as locally as possible Mm -hmm. and when we talk about their government i really should say their elected representatives because that's all the government used to be as representatives they weren't lawmakers they were just representatives we need to go back to that in order to do that the people need to be as as caring about all the other people in we see this even in our local community that people are getting a regular check whether they go to work or not they don't seem to care about getting it open, even though as much as those people who, if they don't get it open, they're going to lose their business. Right. They're going into debt. Well, this this goes, of course, to, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're not being directly affected and you can afford to stay at home and have a steady paycheck and income coming in because you happen to be retired or you're on unemployment and you're actually making more money now than you probably were when you were working, it's very possible that those people aren't going to be as concerned about opening things back up as others whose dreams and lives are on the line. That's obvious. But I want to make sure that this point is clear because this is also very important, that the county commissioners do not have the power in fact, to simply open up the county. If we did, and, and okay, granted, yeah, maybe we could go against the governor. But here's the issue. The minute we did that, every business that was is in with, that is within our local counties, our individual counties, would stand to lose their business licenses. And they would also lose out on any opportunity with small business loans or grants for their businesses in light of this crisis. I'm not saying... It's blackmail, but it kind of is. And and the other side of this is the fact that back in the day, yes, counties actually were the ones that were responsible for issuing individual business licenses. We do not do that anymore. That is handled entirely through the Secretary of State's office. So if we went against the... Oh, correct. If we go against the governor's wishes without presenting the evidence and getting the governor to work with us... We could harm our citizenry tremendously. See, over the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, we have steadily been giving more and more power to the state governments and even to the federal government. And, of course, there's only so much power going around, so that means there's less and less power in the hands of the individuals and the individual Correct. It's been It's been my biggest concern is that we continually try to elect men to rule over us rather than take that personal responsibility upon ourselves to look after our neighbor. We're perfectly willing to have a dictator. We just want it to be our dictator. And so reversing that process is what we're talking about. And uh, it will meet with a certain amount of opposition, but the thing, I believe that if people begin to step forward 
and take back their responsibilities, they may see some of their rights trickling back to them that they they thought they still had, but are now experiencing this unbelievable worldwide shutdown that came so easily and so quickly over what is nearly what we were talking about a month ago is media madness, or several mm-hmm. months ago we were talking about media. This it's almost media malpractice because all the figures that frightened everybody that were presented by the media has been rolled back in the last few weeks. Not Correct. just rolled back a little bit, but not just cut in half or cut in thirds or cut in fifths, but I mean rolled back almost a hundred percent over what they were being they were saying before. So right. uh, the reality is that we don't want this kind of thing so easily happening again in the future and the only way to do that is to not be complacent, but to turn around and be more responsible as individuals, Mm -hmm. which is a constant theme here. So, anyway, do you want to go anywhere else? uh? I would urge people in all of America, in every county, in every state, in the union, to get a hold of your local government officials and and local elected officials and try and urge antibody and antigen tests because for us we've kind of we rather find that this could be key in presenting evidence as to what the actual figures are and the spread of the disease to be able to find out who has actually had the virus and recovered because those are not figures that are being captured with the PCR tests and so we find that uh, we, we are under the suspicion and granted this is a guess that our community was already hit by the virus a lot sooner than we thought and it, it came, it went, and everyone just thought they had the flu and they recovered. And it wasn't as deadly as originally projected. If that's possible, if that is true, and 60 to 70% of our population has already been infected, and we have reached herd immunity by the CDC's own definition of what herd immunity is, then we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Why are we still shut down? But if 10% of the population is all that's been infected so far and you suddenly find that no one is, has the antibodies or antigens yet, then granted, we might want to be very careful how we proceed because we don't yet know how deadly this virus could be. But right now, both of those scenarios are guesses. And we are making public policy based on guesses without the real data. The only re- way if we can get the real data at this point is to do the testing for the antibodies and the antigens to find out who has been immune and who hasn't. And by the way, as you do this, you disprove the need of an actual vaccine, which I believe there is a tremendous amount of money driving that right now. And the panic and everything you're seeing in the media are people who are in this position of confirmation bias, where they're trying to push the ideas and agendas that they already believed in. That is not factual-driven science. That is that is something that is being pushed with an agenda. And it has been being pushed by Fauci. It's been being pushed by Bill Gates, who financially stands to gain a tremendous amount of money if he can present a vaccine in 18 months. But closing down the economy for 18 months, absolutely insane. And our president, I am so grateful, called everyone on that. And just they threw out the entire um, projected contagion model from the CDC and the WHO because it was ridiculous. And they were making things up. And everyone seems to think that because the data comes from the CDC that it's factual. No, it's not. 
they're still human. Humans make mistakes and mistakes and and many times in politics you would be surprised at how much of it is driven by agenda. And so I would encourage people to encourage their local officials to gain access to these tests and look for them so we can get to a point where we have an FDA approved test that can be presented as fact to our governors and our communities showing how many people have been infected. They're finding this in California. I just read an article with ABC News in Santa Clara, California, where they're finding tremendous amounts of people who had the, had the virus and recovered and are now carrying the antibodies and antigens, which disproves the numbers that originally were handed to us. It shows that, he, that this virus has already hit large portions of our population and they're already immune. And it's not as bad as originally projected. We're actually on the tail end of this. We already hit our peak. And now we really need to move forward with a plan to open back up. We are not going to stop people from getting the virus. It was never a plan to. Everyone's going to get it. Everyone. And it's here to stay. It's going to circle back around in the fall and in the spring. It's going to be the next item on the menu. Everyone's going to get it. The question is what we're, where we're going to go from here because right now there might not be anything to open up in another month if we keep waiting. Yeah, we know there's lots of businesses that will never open again. Families Correct. lost their businesses. They're gone. People extended themselves to open up additional branches of their business. They extended themselves to try to get to another point where their business would be successful, and now it's gone because they've been labeled unessential. They put out capital to try and make a business successful, yeah, and now it's gone. Them. It's all gone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I talked this morning briefly about the millions, billions of dollars that go to the airlines. What about all those hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of small business that support the airlines that they're not getting any of that money? Correct. Uh, just the big guys are getting it. And now those companies will have to sell out, close down. And guess who's got the money to buy them now with tax dollars? <laughs> and so now you're going to have a cartel airlines. And this is, this is happening all over the country. Banks are doing it. Uh, the big airlines, the big uh, car uh, industries are doing it. The, all the little businesses that supply those parts are now being devastated, and they're not getting. They can get a loan, which is or a grant, or, or, or a grant. They, they might be able to get some. But grants. some, uh, even the PPP program that was came at, came out and supported by the legislature, and it had all this money and the stimulus money that was going to help these small businesses, it's all gone. They're already talking about another bill that's going to come out. And, and actually, there's division among our Republicans right now, because some of them are pushing on this to get additional dollars coming down from the federal government, and some of them are not. Because we're concerned about what this is going to do to our economy long term. When we put our economy, our, our states, and our nation further and further into debt and just pass that bill on to our next generation. There is never already, before this even happened, there was never a generation that has inherited as much debt as my generation is about to in the history of the world. And so now we're just doubling it. And we're putting it off on the next generation, and there is no end in sight. And we know as county government that we'll make it through this year just fine, because we have a budget and we're staying within it. Next year will be hard. The year after that may be more difficult. We are going to see a recession. The question is whether or not we see a depression. We're trying to get out of this as quickly as we can. But honestly, 
I don't know where we go from here. Um, I'm we're we've called in a session for next Tuesday. We're going to meet as a board. Our board is united. We know we have to get people back to work, and we're going to do everything within our power to help my local county get people back to work in our community and our region. But it's going to be up to the American people to stand up and hold their elected officials accountable and make sure they understand this. Because a lot of this, you know, when I was researching this a month ago and I was bringing this stuff to my board, I was still in a position where a lot of the things that I was saying, I still wasn't necessarily sure I knew what I was talking about yet. You learn as you go. And many of our elected officials, they're not scientists. They're not doctors. They're, they're not healthcare professionals. But we have to learn. We have to well-round ourselves so that we know the issue and we're asking the right questions. And then we can be useful advocates for the people. But the people need to come to us and work with us and talk to us and direct us in which way they want their society to go because Bill Gates doesn't decide those things. We need to and the people do. So that's my position. I've gotten into trouble already quite a bit for going on social media and going live and talking to the, my constituency. Um, but the fact is I'm not going to stop because I don't work for those people. I work for everyone in my county. I work for them, and I have to be able to communicate with them any way I can. And right now, I can't go to the restaurants. I can't go talk to people. I can't have coffee with a commission. I have to sit. I have to sit down and go live and reach people in any way I can, because people are scared, they're worried, and and quite frankly, they're suffering right now. We need to get America back to work. Well, anyway, so th- there's a lot going on. One of the things I was thinking when you were saying. Uh, the, the doctors are not economists either. And it's true. These are different places that people come from, but if you're going to work together as a community, people have to walk at least a half a mile in their neighbor's shoes mm-hmm. and understand what they're facing. Right. And you cannot do that if you're going to be proud and arrogant. You need that spirit of humility to listen to the other side. Right. And but we, now they don't even want you to get together to talk hardly, but through it, media it, we were able to do that. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we are in in the process of trying to fix some of those problems. We have had communication barriers before. We're hoping to kind of fix that this next week uh, so that we can have... If this was a fire, I'd be on the ground with the head of the BLM and the head of the Forest Service and all of our regional guys, and we'd be talking about this in our incident command. In our but, rural fire department. In our rural <laughs> fire department's in our RFPAs, they'd all be at the table and we'd all be talking about it and a commissioner would be right there present. But in this situation, we're kept from even being able to talk to the doctors directly. It's amazing. We would have never gone this route of the shutdown and the separation and can't freely assemble anymore if we were using the statistics that they're now reverting to. Correct. Because the original estimates of millions dying has been rolled way back. Right. And and, and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus or say that anyone's to blame for some of that. Because the fact is that many of us are just trying to do the best we can. And we have the, op- the information that's given to us. We try to make decisions based off of that. So... But now we know what we're talking about. If we know what we're talking about, this is the information we have now. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do now? And that's the question. Because I don't begrudge anyone the decisions they made in the past when they made them based off the the best information they had at the time. But once you have new information, and all this is fluid, it's changing every day, sometimes hourly. We need to be willing to fluctuate and evolve and move with the situation and make sure that we're still continually, every day, making the best decisions for our communities. 
So that's that's kind of what uh, we're dealing with, and I think that uh, we'll get there. And I've been very happy with where I've seen our community go and, and the things that I hear talked about. And I, I don't know where we would be if we didn't have some of those rebels out there that were willing to ask the questions that others might be reluctant to ask because it is scary at times to step out into the fray and be the only one out there asking the questions. And you can get beat up for it. And, but you know what? If I get through this and we can get our community through this and we can, and, and all I have is a black eye and our commissioners all have just a black eye, you know what? Every battle comes with some scars. You're gonna get some. And that's perfectly fine. It's part of the job. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Amen. <laughs> so anyway. So. So I know you have to go somewhere. So anyway, we're about time for yes. a break. So we'll take that break and let you guys take off. Uh, we have we have somebody else here in the studio, but uh, we'll we'll save him for another time. <laughs> He's one of those rebels. Whenever we want to get kicked off Facebook, we'll call on him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to go to a break, and we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. We talk a lot about the kingdom here and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same, and we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints, but they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook, facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. You must become a doer of the word. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, we had our guest in here, County Commissioner. I've seen, you know, he's gone now, so I can talk about him. But uh, I've seen, been watching his progress, and, and you know, how in the world he ever ended up being a county commissioner is almost miraculous because it wasn't something he ever thought he was going to do. But uh, anyway, he got in, and uh, he has really made a difference. I, I watched. I know where the county would be. Uh, the leaders, supposed leadership of the county would be without some of the words that he has added to meetings. He's in, he is the liaison to the legislature, so he goes up there. He, uh, meets on a regular basis with other legislatures, uh, legislators, and he has been a bug in their ear. They, they were shocked all across the state when somebody actually said, the PCR test is not virus specific. 
It doesn't actually tell you that it's supposed to be this virus or that virus. It doesn't know. It That isn't what it's testing. It's testing for debris. The guy who invented it back in 1981 said it was never to be used as a diagnostic test unless you had the actual molecular structure that you were also using other tests to identify. It could not be used as a diagnostic test. He's the guy who invented it. Yet, they're using it as a diagnostic test. Of course, somebody's making a lot of money every time they say, oh, let's have another one of those tests. Uh, positive, negative. It doesn't actually even give positive negatives. This is right in the literature that explains it gives you present or absence because all it is looking for is debris. Not specific debris, just debris. DNA debris. Which you will find if the antibodies are breaking down the virus. You will find that debris. But anyway, so... So now they have uh, tests that are actually virology tests that are testing blood. And they are supposedly looking for antibodies. I've seen the first uh, results from the tests in Tularide, which is in Colorado, where they're going to try to test everybody in this vast area of, uh, and remote area of Tularide. But uh, the reality is that the, their tests are not very conclusive. They even admit one test is not enough. It's a pinprick test. And you would have to compare it with the other tests that take more blood and and are using a little bit different uh, methods, similar but different, and then find out which... None of these tests are being approved. There's no time in order to get them into place. And there is a resistance to getting them into place. And one of those resistance is from the people who want to give everybody in the United States a a vaccination because the God of vaccines is your salvation, according to the thinking of some people. It is not. Vaccines, right in the literature, off the CDC sites, are anywhere between 30 and 70% effective. That means they're 30% not effective, or possibly 70% not effective, depending on what vaccine and who's getting it. Also, and that's their figures, I would suggest that it's maybe even less effective than that. That people want to believe in vaccines. Some vaccines are only 14% effective according to the CDC. And yet we're still injecting people with them. And they're 14% effective. It might be more effective if you learn what actually runs the immune system and make that immune system stronger. But there's not much money in that. So they're going with the vaccine because there's billions of dollars in vaccines and pharmaceutical medicines. Now, I'm not against vaccines or pharmaceutical uh, medicines, Uh, but the reality is I'm for what works. I believe in do no harm. That's what it says in the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. It actually says, you'd be shocked at what it says in the uh, Hippocratic Oath. Uh, and why it says what it says, because I can give you the Greek, I can give you a translation of it, but uh, what was really going on? One of the things it says in the Hippocratic Oath, in one of the second paragraphs, I think, is to give no pessary to a woman. What's a pessary? Something that causes an abortion. Doctors who took the Hippocratic Oath could not conduct an abortion. They would be absolutely, that would be a violation of their oath. They actually couldn't really perform surgeries uh, to deal with things like gallstones, 
and uh, kidney stones or any of these other problems that develop inside of a, a person. They they were not to be surgeons. Why? You think there wasn't surgery back then, hundreds of years before Christ? There certainly was. There was brain surgery amongst the Aztecs. Uh, so the reality is there's been surgery around for a long time. There's been abortion around for a long time. And the original Hippocratic Oath said you were to have none of that. They had other ways of dealing with disease and illness and diseases, the disease inside of the human body, to coordinate it and to align it so that it was a healthier thing. That the pharmaceutical processes in the human body, and I'll use that word pharmaceutical because your body is producing all kinds of chemicals, that's how you wiggle your toes, that's how you operate, is far more complex than all the pharmacies and pharmaceutical companies in the world. And it can be a lot more benevolent. If you have a benevolent heart and a benevolent soul and a benevolent emotion where you care about others as much as you care about yourself and you cultivate that spirit, you nurture that spirit in you, then that spirit will dwell in every cell of your body. And when there's disease that that spirit will guide those cells to do their job to give you the immunity that you have. So anyway, those are the things. But now that I believe that they will continue to try to push for uh, mandatory vaccines, we've seen this in the operation for quite some time. And uh, I could give you more on the Hippocratic Oath. I, I, ha- I was looking at my notes here. But actually, I think I have a document open that I shared with the local minister's um, just uh, either this morning or yesterday. I can't even remember. Sometimes they do this in the middle of the night. But uh, it's uh, about writing a vaccine waiver letter. And one of our trustee ministers in the Midwest came up with a letter that he found open online and it had, you know, like a 100 signatures under the letter. And, and he shared it with the other ministers who are looking at helping the congreg- individual congregations because these these letters, and I just found out a few things just seconds before the program started, because it just so happens that the name, one of the names down on this big long list, and I panned all the way down, just skimming through the names rapidly as fast as my little mouse could carry me. And all of a sudden, boom, I saw one of the names down there near the bottom. I won't tell you where exactly near the bottom. But that name was the other guy that was in the room here with us just a few minutes ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's over here. And he just filled me in. I mentioned to him that I saw his name on this document that came from the Midwest, way out there in Texas somewhere. One of our trustee ministers found this document and shared it with all the other ministers, which includes people all the way to South Africa, who is uh, one of our fellows in South Africa, uh, a minister, uh, that, that recent minister of a congregation that is sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, hopefully, and they're working towards that. But he's adamant for creating this letter for a waiver vac- vaccination so that you don't, you can't be forced to take those vaccinations. Now, ultimately, this is, these are governments of force and these people have the spirit of force in them, not the spirit of benevolence. They want the spirit of control. That's why they want to keep the shutdown going because it gives them more power and more control. Uh, the legislature can't meet. You can't meet. And 
So they have a vested multi-million dollar reason not to open things up. And the little guy down there who's trying to get his bakery going, his uh, his his uh, his restaurant going, his movie theater going, he's just getting squeezed out because you've created offices of power and now the men who seek power have sought office, they're in office, and they want to keep you from going back to work. They want to keep you locked in your home. And they have used fear to do it. James was just talking about these are the statistics we had. Well, the fact is... Many of the statistics he used to pry open the hearts and minds of the people that he's been dealing with all across the state, and especially in our local county government, he got right off of our Preparing You website, because that site is there to prepare you for freedom. And he got him off there with the footnotes to show where we got the data, because I'm telling you, from day one, the limited data that we had showed that this virus was not as severe as everybody says. I just was talking to somebody in Idaho who was saying, oh, like, we'll show your children this virus can kill whole staffs in hospitals and just wipe out all the people in the hospital. No, it can't. It isn't that kind of a virus. It isn't like uh, even the bubonic plague or anything like that. That isn't what it did. It was on that cruise ship. It didn't kill everybody, and everybody was over 61 years of age almost. Why didn't it kill all those people and sweep through there? Hundreds and hundreds of people got it. There's probably over a 1,000 people got it, probably 2,000, again, because they were not doing virology tests. They were only doing PCR tests. So they eventually estimated that some 634 people got it. But that's based on a test that is not to be used for diagnosis. And the more we look at this, the more we see most people don't even show symptoms. This is actually a very weak virus. It can be very lethal for people who are already in a sorry state of health. But I wonder, and I put this to people who want to look up the the actual statistics, which may be difficult to get now because everything's so shut down. How many people died in Portland this time last year in the month of March, and the month of April. Wouldn't it be amazing if you found out that the deaths were 20, 30, 40% less during the shutdown, even adding in the coronavirus, than they were this, uh, this time last year. I can almost guarantee, and I won't explain why, death rates have dropped. Now, if you figure in the suicides they may jump back up again because this shutdown is causing people to kill themselves at a remarkable rate because it is filled with fear. What do you get when you got fear? You get depression. And what the media has done is yelled fire in a crowded theater. They have yelled fear where there should have been no fear. And all you people walking around with face masks, you think you're saving yourself. You're instilling fear in your youth. And that's who's mostly committing the suicides, is young people. Because their world, which was far too limited, you haven't taught your children right, has been pulled out from underneath them. And that you have disrupted their status quo. 
and you have tripped them. This fear has created anxiety, and you have tripped them over the edge, and there are people killing themselves at a remarkable rate. And this depression may go on now. Now you're going to see people with ruined businesses, people in debt, people. But we need to turn that around and show that if the people come together with the Spirit of Christ, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be anxious about. We have to fill the void that they created with their fear with actual love and consideration. So I don't want you to go and speak to your county commissioners or show up at uh, these protests with anger. I want you to show up with love and forgiveness and say there is a better way where we are less dependent upon the government, where we take back our responsibilities. Now, he, he mentioned that the fact that uh, the states have no citizens. And those of you who have been studying with us and show, is looking at the things, it's true. You know, I, I had this discussion with a room full of pastors once. And I said, well, you're actually not a citizen of Oregon. I mean, we use that term loosely. But in a legal sense, no, you're not a citizen. You're a resident of Oregon. And you'll see that term used all the time. And some of them wanted to argue with me. Well, we happened to have a guy from Great Britain who was in this country and understood this a little bit better because they have these divisions also in England. And they're all over the world. And he said, no, I was right. He pointed to me and he said that I was right that you're only a resident. You're a citizen of the United States. Now, it wasn't that way. People wanted to say, and we talked about it this morning, that something changed in 1870 where the, the, the United States became a corporation and everything. And there's some vague truth to that, but it's misleading. Nowhere can the government just arbitrary enslave the whole population. You have to become entangled again in the elements of the world. And the way you do that is through covetous practices, and we've spelled that out. So now you're a citizen of the United States, and that fact can be used as leverage against the governors and even the fake governors that we have here in Oregon, and make them open up. Now, will they be able to do that? That depends on the fourth branch of government, where they'll, they'll give them the backing. We have people inside that is explaining things to people, showing them how this works, why. People are sitting back all the time and saying, why? Why does the government do that? Why? Why do doctors think this? Why? Why is the coronavirus acting in this way? If you understood the kingdom of God, you would know the answer to all those questions. I wouldn't have to explain them. I could go out and tend sheep on the desert. But because you're not actually seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but you're settling for the ear-tickling religions of the world, I have to go and try to show you what you fail to see. And what I'm saying is if you do what Christ said and sit down the way Christ said and start caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, the Holy Spirit will start to enlighten you how these viruses work. We talked, I touched on a little bit of this about how immunity works and how, how the, uh, uh, exosomes work in your body to tell everybody all the billions of cells in your body what's really going on and how to reject this and how to reject that and how to accept this and how not to replicate a virus and how to replicate the antibody. Your body knows how to do that. 
And I'm explaining to you how to do that in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God. Did you know that your cells actually clump together? Even your red blood cells that are flowing sometimes in single file through your capillaries. You know that actually they have to actually form a single file. The capillaries are so small you can only get one cell through at a time. Fortunately the white blood cells who are often bigger they're, they're much more flexible. And in order to have those red blood cells flexible enough to pass through those capillaries unobstructed. They have to have a certain flexibility in those cells. That flexibility comes from having a diet that includes two types of oils, omega-3s and uh, omega-6s. There's actually more types than that, but that's the ones we usually break things down into for simplicity. We'll just go with those. Well, of course, you can get one of them from fish oils, and you can get the other one from meats. And you can get some similar types of oils from different types of vegetables like uh, olives and coconut oil and avocado oil and other certain certain types of vegetable oils. Now, corn oil is not a vegetable oil. Corn oil is a seed <laughs> and along, along with a lot of others. But the fact is that your body needs these oils and will set them aside for the building of cells so those cells are flexible. When those cells are flexible, they pass through the capillaries. When they pass through the capillaries, you have healthier tissue. Well, the same thing through those capillaries goes exosomes. And like I was explaining again, that when you're producing the antibody exosomes, you could be breathing, especially in a respiratory illness, you could be breathing them out and your kid's picking them up. And and your spouse picking them up. And you're actually infecting them with the cure. That's the vaccine you need. That's the vaccine you need in your family. That's the vaccine you need in your society. It's very specific. It's natural. It's part of God's pharmaceutica. It's not the pharmaceutica of the world. But it's the pharmaceutica of Christ. It's the, it's the healing agents of Christ. Now, so anyway, the way to avoid the vaccinations, and I got this from somebody who came into this country and, and avoided being vaccinated, never received a vaccination. Like, you know, even from their home country, they weren't generally vaccinated. Although their country is big for vaccinations, but they went through the process and avoided this since childhood partially because of their own mother's convictions. But uh, they had to go through processes to do it, and now they've shared that with me, and I'm going to be sharing more and more of that with uh, the ministers as we put it together. We're going to redact some of it, so that they become experts in this field to understand it. And uh, so you write this letter, and the letter that I mentioned that we shared uh, last week on the minister's call with the other ministers ended up having this fellow's name. Well, he went through what they had to go through. They had to go and watch a video with all this nonsense and foolish information that is part of the religion of vaccinations. And uh, and we could rebut it easily, but that's not what you want to rebut in your letter because you don't want to address the science. They get to do it, but you, you, that's not what you're doing if it's based on faith. You can address the science in a different letter, but you were doing it based on religious convictions, and I will use that word, religious convictions, 
specifically. Then you have to stick on that topic. So it says, must be opposed to all vaccinations in any form. If you start arguing, well, that vaccination is okay in this one, they, you have just disavowed your religious conviction exemption. And you might as well roll up your sleeve. They'll throw it out. Must demonstrate that you oppose vaccinations in all forms. Cannot pick and choose between the vaccinations. The fact that you may have received a certain vaccination but not others is not automatic grounds for denial of a waiver. Instead, the officer should consider the reasons provided for having received those vaccines. Now, he should. But this is this is where when you're dealing with bureaucracy, it depends on who you get and what side of the bed he got up on that morning. And I can explain a lot more of that, but we're going to run out of time here. So I just want to... Objections must be based on religious beliefs or moral convictions. So that word convictions is very important there. I'm just going to hit the highlights here. The religious beliefs of moral convictions must be sincere. And the Romans used to test that sincerity by beating you and seeing if you gave in. (laughs) They don't do that now, but they actually will put your back up against the wall. Uh, And I can give you a lot of stories on that, but again, we're out of time. Questions uh, for thought. And then we have a series of questions. And this is just a one-page document I just shared in the last 48 hours with our ministers. The reality is is that these new vaccines, they may not be the same as the old vaccines. I mean, I saw a report that one of them is subcutaneous, not intermuscular like they normally are, which if you don't understand that thing, we'll talk about it later because we're out of time. But it is actually activated by an electrical shock after you get the shot. That's, what is that? What what are they talking about? <laughs> so anyway, but we'll have to discuss that at another time. Join the network. For the love of God and for the love of others, join the network as Christ commanded. Till then, peace upon your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.